For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and coming back. Uh, please continue to tell your friends. We're trying to get more people to, to find us, and that's, that's tough in podcast land, I'm finding. Uh, but lots to talk about. We have a vice presidential pick, and we have the convention next week. So th- this will be our special pre-convention episode. We're 81 days out from Election Day, so let's get started. What's on your mind, Alex? Well, Joe, not a big surprise what our first topic is this week. Joe Biden announcing that groundbreaking choice, tapping his former rival, Senator Kamala Harris, to be his running mate. In their first appearance, Joe Biden today explained why he chose Kamala Harris. She knows how to make the hard calls. The case against Donald Trump and Mike Pence is open and shut. He inherited the longest economic expansion in history. And then, like everything else he inherited, he ran it straight into the ground. Joe, everybody's got a take on the VP choice, so I want to ask a real-life campaign manager. What exactly does Kamala Harris bring, and how should Joe Biden be kind of deploying her now that the decision has been made? Well, look, she clearly revs up the base. Uh, She doesn't do any harm, and, and she... She's going to create a lot of energy. You're already seeing that not only among black women, but women in general. And actually, I think with younger voters. So where she goes uh, is going to inform a lot about the campaign strategy, because it's easy to see them sending her to Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, uh, you know, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, um, revving up the base. It, it, particularly in those places where, we, you know, some of these states we lost by 11,000 votes, that's going to gin up. Uh, the energy and excitement on the Democratic side and turn our base out. Um, but I also think um, to, to what extent they send her. I mean, those are the logical places, but it's where she goes. that's going to matter. You start seeing her going to, to Houston. It means Texas is in play. It means that's part of the Biden strategy. So uh, right now, there are plenty of places for her to go. Uh, and I think um, it, it, strategically, uh, you've got all these pieces on the chessboard right now. You've got Joe Biden. You've got Kamala Harris. You have people like Barack Obama. Uh, so where are they going to where they start playing and where they deploy the vice president and where they travel together? Because I look, I really think that was um, the, the shots of them together, that that chemistry. They really something does connect there. Um, and I think it does pull in that whole idea of Joe Biden bringing us together as a country. I think the two of them together is pretty powerful. So we'll see how they use them. But I think it really does bring in that message of, of, of pulling together, uniting the country, cro- uh, uh, reaching across the divide and coming together and solving the country's problems in a way that uh, Trump never could demonstrate. One thing you saw when from their event yesterday was it, it really did seem like they gelled together on stage. What do you think about her story is most compatible with Biden? They're both hard to pigeonhole for Trump as 
sort of the crazy liberal. I mean, the stuff that he wants to try to do, the socialist, the anti, the 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 weak on law and order stuff. Um, Kamala doesn't, you know, she has in a lot of ways some of the same problems Biden did uh, in the primary in terms of the, you know, whether they were too tough uh, uh, on uh, in, in a way in prosecutions and 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 early. Uh, votes that he cast, I just think it's it, the the two of them are very difficult, and you saw that when Trump uh, went after her. I mean, you know, they, on one hand they're saying she's she's too tough in Law and Order, uh, um, and on the other hand she's uh, she's weak and uh, and wants to help those folks in the cities overrun you. Um, so I think you know I think that's a a, a a real problem that's going to uh, be a hurdle for Trump in terms of how he attacks her. Also, when he attacks her, he cannot help himself from going over the top uh, and clearly projecting, you know, sort of this, I mean, one, both racial and sexist, sexist, you know, the whole way he does it uh, is a, is he's just going to keep that, Going because she's this he impossible target for him to to skip. He can't do it. Right. Well, he really do, only has one speed. I want to come back to that in a second. But one more question we heard heard a lot online this week was: she is from California. Obviously, that means that replacing her, if if she does go on to win, you know, we we don't lose a seat in the Senate. But anything wrong with the geographic idea of picking a Californian here? No one's. I can't remember the last time. Maybe Al Gore uh, was picked by Bill Clinton because they they thought they could pick up some southern states, and they did. Um, but I can't really remember the last time a geographic pick mattered at all. The problem that Democrats had from 2016 was making sure people turned out in places like Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Uh, and missed by, you know, 11,000, 22,000, 48,000 votes. That's, I think, much more important, the energy that she brings to the ticket. Uh, and there were certainly questions about that with Biden. Uh, uh, I mean, it was one of the big concerns people raised throughout the primaries. Was he going to have the energy uh, in his policies and who he is to to get those younger voters out and to get the African-American community um, to, to not everybody knew that they were look how they support him in the primary, but would they be energized and actually get out, particularly younger African Americans? I think um, I think she solves that that problem and and adds more. I mean, she's got higher favorables. Uh, I mean, way higher favorables. I think sixty percent favorable rating right now in the first polls we're seeing, way higher than Trump. Um, she's a big asset, and I think it's really going to matter. Right. I mean, in a way, you could say it actually was somewhat of a geographic selection because you look at 2016, I think black voter turnout was down something like 19 percent in Wisconsin and 12 in Michigan. I mean, and that's your margin right there, right? Yeah, but I'd call that a uh, I I mean, look, I I don't think it has anything to do with geographic. I think one, um, the just the historic nature. But, you know, like I was there with Walter Mondale when they picked uh, Geraldine Ferraro. I mean, how many years ago was that? Um, it's historic uh, that Joe Biden um, picked a woman and an African-American woman um, at a time when 
where we are as a country right now. I think I think it's really going to matter, and I think there are a lot, not just demographically, but generationally. I think it's going to um, have an impact with younger voters as well, who've already decided they they don't want Trump. It was are they were they going to be excited enough, see enough out of Joe Biden to get out there and, and actually show up at the polls? I think she uh, brings that right. So you started talking about earlier, but it, it the, the attacks on Kamala have already started kind of coming fast and furious from the right. But what struck me is it's really unclear what they're trying to do. The president today tried a couple of attacks. He said, as you heard him say, she left the race angry. She left mad. He said she was mean to Joe Biden. Fox News tonight went after her for being part of the swamp, though she's a first term senator. NBC News reporting tonight some Republicans are indeed worried about the mixed messaging. Quote, Trump campaign advisors and allies are expressing concern that the GOP's initial fumbling response to her selection signals there is no clear strategy. Just to recap, some Republicans are saying she's too liberal. Others right. are saying she's not liberal enough to get Bernie supporters yeah. back in. Some are trying to mess up her name intentionally. You saw Tucker Carlson lose it. But to me, it just kind of seems like this means she's a good pick, right? Well, it de- definitely that's the case. But the, the stunning thing about this is, come on, how could you not see this coming? I mean, or at least, okay, she was one of the two, one of the three, but she was always the one. It was hers to lose. It didn't mean it wouldn't go to Susan Rice. So you would have thought they would have it all laid out. If it's Kamala Harris, this is what we're going to do. If it's Susan Rice, this is what we're going to do. But no, they've got Kamala Harris, who everybody from the beginning, even in the presidential primaries, was saying, gosh, if she doesn't win this, she's going to be the vice presidential nominee. Um, so how un- to be this unprepared is just amazing. But the other thing I think, I think Donald Trump may run against her more than he and attack her more than he attacks Biden. I mean, this could be Trump just punching down the entire time uh, between now and November. It's, he can't resist it. And the problem with that is when, a whole lot of women out there already have tons of problems with him. That's where he's lost uh most a lot of the the uh, women who supported him uh, in 2016, many of them in the suburbs, have have moved away from from him. How does he win them back by attacking Kamala Harris? Um, the African American voters and minority voters who who see him, uh, you know, it's, who who do see him as racist, um, whether his supporters do or not, those folks do, and by attacking her particularly the way he does it, the language he uses, because he can't help himself. He just keeps piling on the character, you know, the caricature that he's created for himself that's caused this this drop. It's, it's that contrast, and I think she brings that contrast out in Trump because he's going to keep punching at her. And so she counterpunches. Uh, it may not be her versus Pence in terms of the way you would normally think about debates and things uh, and, and who's attacking who. It, it literally, because every time she punches, normally a VP candidate does go out and, pre- and punch the presidential nominee on the other side. Usually the presidential nominee doesn't return fire and it's other people, the VP yeah, but this nominee, time, other no people. Way. This time, no, no way. way. When he, yeah. he doesn't let anybody 
punch it without firing back. And he can't, I don't see how he wins that. In, in, in that way, she may have been a brilliant pick, big, big, more than we, we could ever imagine, uh, because of not just her skill in taking it to somebody, which we, we did see in, that, in those primaries, and taking it to Trump and his inability to, to just let it go and have to fire back. It could be it, it. This could be literally worth the popcorn uh, to watch between now and November. Well, if you, let's talk about Mike Pence for a minute. If you're Mike Pence, how are you feeling right now? I'd be really worried. I mean, look, you cannot put it past Donald Trump right now to be sitting in that, sitting alone, watching TV, and wondering whether he needs to do something exciting. For his vice president, I, if I repent, I hope I make it to the convention and, and with a secure VP nomination because Donald Trump's thrown a hell of a lot of other people under the bus. I, I'm not saying that'll happen, but I act. I, I'm a hundred percent sure he's thinking about so it. So I was asking about the debates because everyone thinks that the, you know she's just going to wipe the floor with him. But you're saying that Trump's seeing that he's seeing all the press coverage. And might actually make a move to replace him. I know it's so it's not out of the realm of possibility. No, I actually think he might. As crazy as that is, as devastating as that might be to his own coalition, but he's never worried about that stuff before, right? And, and also, like if you think about it, Trump believes he's the only spoke, spokesperson. He's the only one that can get his thing out there, right? Everybody else, uh, you know, the press secretaries, Spicer, you know, all of them were like nothing compared to his ability. So imagine Kamala and Pence going at no matter what how Pence does, Trump's going to believe he would have done better. Right. Get out of the way. Let me do this. You didn't do it right. You're not explaining any of this right, right? You're not you know, how did you let her do that to you? Whatever. It's just not going to be a good place to be. And at the same time, you know, in the debate, Pence is the one who's sitting there, he'll have an audience of one. He's got to keep Trump happy. Right, because who else is watching the vice presidential debate? That's what I mean. And so she can come at him, and he's got to answer it um, the way Trump wants him to answer it, not in a way I think that's going to be effective. And so what I think, if, if you're Pence right now, I think, one, just try to make it through your convention with the nomination, um, and then two, you know, watch your back. Cause look, if this all goes bad, Trump's going to blame it on him. I beat Joe, but, but VP Pence just couldn't handle Kamala. I had to do it and he'll, he'll move in and pump him out of the way. Well, it kind of feels like nothing about this election is normal, but I know we were talking last week about how actually the pick a lot with a lot of people making up their minds, the vice presidential pick doesn't matter that much. But with some of these dynamics that you're talking about, it actually seems like because it was Kamala Harris, this pick actually matters more than, you know, your usual vice president. Well, look, I mean, obviously uh, they win. Kamala Harris uh, has a lock on uh, probably the next nomination that comes up for president of the United States and the Democratic Party. That I mean, that's that's definitely uh, true of her. There were, uh, were others that he, he might have picked that would not have, uh, Karen Bass, for, for example, who might not have uh, uh, pursued that. But there's no doubt about Kamala Harris 
and I think in that sense, she it's more than just an historic pick. I mean, it is going to have a very big impact, a real imprint on the party. He picked somebody from that middle, uh, or at least somebody who's been very good at being able to straddle both of those sides of the party. But she definitely blocks everybody. Um, and so this is, a, in a lot of ways, not just a VP pick, but Joe Biden putting his imprint on the party for, for well, like maybe the next decade at least. Moving into the convention next week, Joe, obviously that's a big thing coming up and obviously it'll look a lot different than usual. Presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden will not travel to Milwaukee. The convention will be mostly virtual this year. Monday's lineup includes Senators Bernie Sanders, Doug Jones and Amy Klobuchar and former First Lady Michelle Obama. Tuesday, that's just Monday, we'll hear from Bill Clinton and Dr. Jill Biden. Wednesday is Nancy Pelosi. Elizabeth Warren's going to be there. Barack Obama, Thursday. Thursday, Cory Booker, Kamala Harris, and Joe Biden himself. So looking at that lineup, you kind of got something for everybody. But if you look back over the years, the conventions in our party have been really interesting. Whether, I mean, even last time you saw Hillary Clinton getting booed on the floor by Bernie supporters in 2016. You remember the Obama speech in 2004 and a whole bunch of others that I'm sure you'll get to. It's always been really kind of important. But this time it it feels different because Biden still needs to be able to kind of make a move and energize people. But it's this whole virtual thing now with everybody at home. Well, look, the conventions have become more and more scripted every year, every cycle. They, they become more sort of a, a t- television show for the part for each party. Uh, the spontaneous moments in uh, conventions have been both parties have tried to snuff those out as best as best they could. I mean, you had, I mean, horror shows. By the way, almost all the spontaneous moments are almost always result in bad things, right? I mean, uh, uh, the the nineteen eighty convention. I was a floor manager for the Texas and Utah delegations uh, uh, for Kennedy, and uh, uh, you know, and when Ted Kennedy walked out on that stage after Carter's announcement uh, acceptance speech. Um, and Carter was going for the big hands held up in the air, victory together moment. Um, he had to chase Kennedy all around the stage. I mean, it was horrible. I mean, it was just a mess. Uh, and it was a, a, it really hurt the Carter uh, reelection uh, a bit, uh, everything that happened at that convention. In 2016, Bernie Sanders stood at that convention and said to his supporters, let's all get behind Hillary Clinton. And his his delegates on the floor booed him. Booed. <laughs> booed him. So both parties try to wipe those moments out. And this year, Joe Biden's going to become the beneficiary again because he's not going to have a moment where Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders is going to speak, but there's not going to be 1,100 of his delegates sitting on the floor of this convention able to make noise and boo when he says that, he, we all need to get behind Biden. Uh, and I'm not saying they would. I'm just saying, but that moment is not going to happen. Um, so you have uh, a lot of things like that. Uh, and, and frankly, you know, Biden's speech, all these speeches, uh, well, one, they're all written already. Uh, two, there will not be audience reaction to them. Um, and also in this environment, it's possible um, to an hour or so beforehand film it and put it up there. I mean, so that you, you can even avoid um, 
the Hubert Horatio Hornblower moment. Um, Carter. In yeah. 1980. Yeah, Carter, in his acceptance speech, talking to all the lions of the left and honoring them in the middle of his speech, and instead of calling Hubert Humphrey, Hubert Humphrey, he calls him Hubert Horatio Hornblower. In a, I mean, in just a stunning moment, the entire floor of the convention just gasped. Uh, and again, that with all the other stuff that was going wrong at that convention, or Carter, but those moments will be, won't be happening in this one either. So I think, uh, one, it's a great moment for the Biden campaign to get its message across. There won't be these uh, spontaneous moments that almost always equal something, turn into something bad. Um, and I think, you know, it's likely that uh, we're going to see a lot of moving uh, heart-wrenching videos, you know, on messages uh, and, some, and some really good speeches that have been well thought out. But it's going to be, I think, pretty set in stone. I don't think we're going to, I don't think, I'm not saying nothing exciting will happen. I'm just saying nothing but very predictable is going to happen. Right. Most of the time, these conventions are really just a springboard to try and build a lead, kind of move sentiment towards you one way or the other, especially in these national polls. You look back, there's some been some absolutely massive bounces. How do you see that playing out this time? Uh, you know, I'm not sure there's going to be... I mean, look, I think the country is so polarized. People have already made up... Uh, the, you know, there just aren't the kind of undecided voters. I mean, there are undecided voters, but there aren't the numbers of them that... Uh, we've seen in past years. And I'd also caution, even if there is one, you can't really count on it. I mean, Dukakis uh, had a big seven-point convention bounce and took a 17-point lead after the 1988 convention. I was I was at that one, too. Um, and, you know, people left there, uh, and within days, there was a 17-point lead. Um, didn't, I don't remember President right. Dukakis, I don't, I don't, right? I don't. Yeah, it didn't turn yeah. out very well. On the, you know, other hand, uh, you know, uh, Clinton uh, got literally got a, a sixteen point bounce out of the nineteen ninety two. Bill convention. Clinton. Bill yeah. Clinton. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> got to do that. Bill Clinton got a. It was nineteen ninety two. But two things have happened. One, the bounces ever since the ninety, you know, eighty eight nineties, have gotten uh, a lot smaller. Uh, and two, the the country's become more polarized. Um, right. So I, I think Kamala, I think there could be a Kamala bounce. There's going to be less maneuvering at this convention. And begin, again, because it's scripted, there's less likelihood for somebody to try to a moment where they try to launch their own campaign in 2024. I mean, you see that normally. You saw it with Barack Obama uh, in the 2004 convention. Give a speech that launches his um, his candidacy in a lot of ways within the party. Um, first of all, since these are going to be absolutely scripted and approved, I doubt anybody's going to be allowed to, to do it quite that way of any of these, these people. Two, because Kamala Harris got picked, it's not likely that there's any opening right now um, to do it. And, then, and the other thing I would point out is, is just another one of those moments uh, you know, people need to remember in 1988, um, Bill Clinton gave one of the worst, and, and again, trying to launch his candidacy for a future presidential campaign, gave a speech in which everybody, after he gave it at the 1988 convention, came to the conclusion that his career was over um, because he had droned on for so long. 
Um, but again, even if there is a bounce at the convention coming out of it, um, wait for it to settle. Wait for what, what you see two weeks, three weeks after the convention. There's, there's always this, this afterglow. You know, you can rise a few points, uh, even seven, even 16, like Bill Clinton did in 1992. So, Joe, does this scripted convention benefit basically every candidate, including Trump, or is it more unique to Biden? I think one more time we're seeing events of this year benefit Joe Biden. Um, uh, the basement campaign that he was ridiculed for early by the Trump people, it, you know, it worked, right? He, whether, you, whether it was a fair attack or not, doesn't matter. He, they did what they did, and, and uh, Biden's uh, moved uh, ahead. Um, I think this, this the scripted uh, nature of this, um, the Zoom nature, the not having the big crowd at a convention, that all plays to Joe Biden and his ability, I think, to, to talk to, 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 to you, we saw that yesterday or the last couple of days with Kamala and him. Um, there were no, there wasn't cheering crowds and there. Look at how they connected. Look at, at, at literally the emotion that was, uh, that came out in that, between the two of them that was unleashed in the energy in the party. So I think Biden benefits from, Having it all play out exactly the way they plan it, with the videos and the, the you know and the moving speeches and and the right um, people, uh, the right speakers at the right moments uh, throughout the evenings. I think that benefits uh, uh, Biden by far. Joe, reader question this week actually coming from an old friend, uh, Amy Chapman. She was asking specifically about digital and how you measure the party's digital efforts. Well, first of all, it was great to 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 see her uh, ask that question. I mean, she she managed a, a couple of campaigns. Uh, Ron Wyden's special election that I did the TV uh, on Governor Kitts Hopper in uh, in Oregon. Uh, she's one of the the I, I think just one of the best uh, uh, people in our party out there. I mean, just brilliant. Um, I think the world of her. So, and she's asked a very important question. I think she's right. I mean, she says that. Um, you know, Democrats, we mostly use digital to amplify what we have on TV ads that are on the air, while the GOP has gotten better at, than us at, you know, targeting each person individually with with a digital ad like meant specifically for that for that target and, and what they're worried about. And I, I absolutely think she's right about that. I, but but two things. Um, the parties, ca- Democrats are catching up and there are. People in the party that are very and, and vendors that are very good at at the individual targeting as well, but I think my biggest sort of response to Amy is that uh, even with all that being true, and even with it you know being kind of obvious that the Biden campaign, at least through the primaries, uh, digital was definitely you know one of the things they were very weak at compared to. Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or Yang. Trump's been doing this for a while. I mean, they've been spending millions and millions and millions of dollars over the summer on all that law and order stuff. Yes, on TV, but they were banging the daylights out of Biden on everything but the kitchen sink on digital, aimed specifically at the people that are most worried about the things they were banging um, Joe Biden about. And guess what? It's not working. And so the the problem, I think, is, yeah, whether it's television, whether it's digital, whether you have 
targeting. You have to have a message that works. And right now, they're scrambling to find, figure that out. And you point out with the Kamala Harris stuff, the way they come after her. Totally messed up messaging. Uh, I'm sure they're going after her on digital as well. I just think that they're having trouble coming up with a message that can, that, that can succeed no matter how they deliver it. Uh, I still think the contrast between Captain Chaos and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, that's what's driving this. And they don't know how to undo that or try to make Joe Biden. They have, what they've been trying to do is make Joe it's going to be your life is going to be more chaotic with Joe Biden as your president than with Donald Trump. And I don't think they can deliver that message any way they want. I don't think a majority of Americans are going to buy that one. Thanks for listening to that trippy show. If you have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the reviews. I try to answer them. I'll read my favorites and please give us five stars while you're there. It really does help people find us. Next week, we'll be recording Friday so we can talk about the entire convention. See you next Friday. Please tell your friends. Please help us grow. I really appreciate it. And I promise that Alex will be sharper next time. Thanks, Alex. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.